This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. This week, we're lucky to have a couple of special guests in the studio with us here today from Warrior Race Cars from East Tennessee. Mike Knuckles and his driver, Ryan King, they're going to tell us a little bit about what they're in town for today and uh, try to try to get you up to speed on their careers and everything they got going on in the future coming up and, and everything like that. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun conversation. Uh, this weekend, I tried to go to, uh, made a very special attempt to try to go to Port Royal to see the Lucas Oil Model Dirt Series and I uh, was going to go up there Saturday only and uh, got up there and, of course, everybody knows the story, it rained it out. But they had a couple of spectacular races before that this weekend with Hudson O'Neill picking up one and, of course, uh, uh, Tim McCready on Friday night picking up the other win. But it was great to have Hudson O'Neill on the show last week, too, by the way. Uh, him and Don, you know, I, I ran into Don up at Fairbury. I was going, I, I forgot to kind of tell this last week. I ran into Don at Fairbury three or four weeks ago um, and then told him about the podcast, wanted him to get on there, and then saw him again at Florence and hounded him again about it. And he gave me his business card. So then Hudson won that race. So I just called him. I said, I think we need to get Hudson on the podcast. Well, we got Hudson on, uh, or Hudson texted me 30 minutes later. said, well, why don't we get my dad on there too? I said, that'd be fine. So I hope y'all enjoyed that one last week. It was a lot of fun to make it for sure. And, uh, so anyway, so anyway, yeah, Port Royal got canceled and, me and my buddy James Honeycutt that I rode up there with, we decided to just make a trip over to Lincoln Speedway. It was the next best thing going on in the state of Pennsylvania. They had the Flow Racing All-Star Circuit of Champions Series out there racing at Lincoln for 7,300 to win the Kramer Clash, and we got to check that out. It was a pretty, uh, really exciting race and, and a very nice facility there, Lincoln Speedway. So good place. They ever got a super late model show or something, that's a place anybody listening to this should go check out for sure. Really nice facility for sure. Of course, there are some other races this week, but our main focus today was we want to get on this uh, on the topic of warrior race cars, and I want to introduce to the show here uh, today, Mike Knuckles. How are you doing today, Mike? Pretty good, Kyle. How are you doing? Pretty good. So uh, you guys were in town doing a little bit of testing at the wind tunnel today, and uh, we'll get to that, but uh, also Ryan King's here in the studio with us today, too. What's going on, Ryan? Not a whole lot. You doing good <laughs> today, Kyle? Absolutely, man. We're uh, just excited to, to get to talk to y'all a little bit, so... Anyway, Mike, uh, you you kind of you'd been working for Warrior there for quite a while, and you uh, you took ownership of it here a few years ago, and it's really fun to watch what you've done uh, building that thing up. And of course, you got Ryan as your house car driver, and it just seems like y'all got a really good relationship going on. Uh, bring us up to speed on what you've done over the past few years with that. It is. I took it over in 2018, which Ryan and his dad have been with us since 2016. So I took it over in 18, moved over to their place, and we've just done nothing but grow it since. So. I really took over a business that had nothing to do. It was, <laughs> we were just racing up down the road, no cars to build. And then everybody just believed in me and took interest in it. And now we're building 10 to 12 a year. Goals only to build 15. Um, like you've talked about, you've had Streamy on here before. I talked to Streamy about small business model and 15 to 20 is his max. And that's where I want to stay at. And we're year three and we're, we're hitting it. So we're very fortunate. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up. I actually read an article on speedsport.com today of uh, about Nick Hoffman. You know, he went on the tear and won all these races, and he builds the elite chassis. And it says he said he could easily build 100 cars if he wanted to, but he said he, he's going to just try to build up 15 or so a year. So 
that just means that you give your customers more uh, more feedback whenever they come to you instead of just mass producing them, I guess, right? Exactly. That allows me to be out where we get to go race. I think the other day I counted. I've been to the racetrack 67 times this year myself. We've raced 40-something times, me and Ryan have. So it allows me to be on the road more helping customers and just, I don't know, just more hands-on. Like you said with Nick, I could probably build more a year, which that's awesome, but – I don't want to build 200 a year because then you lose touch with talking to every single customer that you could ever be with. Like today, I missed talking to people because we was in the wind tunnel, but it was kind of an awesome deal to be a part of. So couldn't talk to people today, but usually I'm on the phone 24-7 talking to folks. Yeah, so you mentioned the wind tunnel there. You were in town here doing, the, doing a little bit of wind tunnel testing here in Mooresville today. So tell us a little bit about that. That, was a, that had to be a neat deal. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, we're part of a deal called Race Know How. It's actually a website that uh, – it's an educational website. Jonathan Masters owns it. His dad is Tater Masters, the owner of Masterbutt Race Cars. So you could kind of say me and Tater work together on some things. But a lot of us contribute to that website. None of us get paid for it. Like John is the only one who gets paid for driving him down the road. He drives thousands of miles a week to go research all this stuff and get videos to put on that website. So he thought it'd be cool to put a IMCA modified in the wind tunnel, which he said has never been documented on video and publicly put out there. So we put IMCA modified in there today from Rage, and then we've done our Warrior House car, which will be the car we're taking to Eldora in two weeks. So, uh, so what did you uh, what did you learn? Did you get the, all the data sheets and everything from that? Did you you feel like you walked away learning something today? Uh, we did. My driver's the numbers guy. I'm, I'm more of a visual person, but he was sitting there spitting out the numbers. We go change stuff and run a. I think that deal only runs like 30 seconds, but then you get all kinds of data after 30 seconds of running 85 mile an hour winds. And we gained a lot. Um, we'd done some things that we thought would make a big difference, and it actually hurt us. Um, some things, and we'd done some things we've seen our competitors doing. Some of it helped us, some of it didn't. Um, it's pretty cool to be able to visually see something that you can't see. I mean, we got to oh, yeah. see what air does today, and we're very fortunate to be able to do that because. I don't know. Ninety-nine percent of our industry can't go do that right now. That's a that's another point there. You bring up sort of uh, the industry. How do they look at that? You think they'll all reach out to you and try to figure out what you learned today on, on you know, going to the wind tunnel? Of course, there's be some videos and stuff come out on that racenowhow.com. There'll be some some videos. Um, John was doing Facebook Live all day while he's there. He's doing ten minute stints on Facebook Live, and there's a lot of probably hundred. 120 people sometimes in the middle of the day today mm-hmm. watching it, you know, trying to see what they we were learning off of that stuff. So, yeah, there'll be some people. Rizar, I showed you my phone earlier. There's some people already reached out to us as we was eating at the Applebee's trying to <laughs> trying to digress what we've learned today. So, yeah, there's going to be people reaching out to us, which is cool. I mean, we're not doing it to do any kind of cloud or anything like that. We're doing it to try to learn and try to make our customer base better. And then it helped. I mean, our driver sitting over there somewhere, um, you know, he learned some things today too. You know, just the guy at the wind tunnel was like, if we could increase our corner entry speed 10 miles an hour, it almost doubled of what we had downforce wise. It was wild. I mean, small gains in that wind tunnel was huge on the car today. Well, Ryan King, uh, are you going to try to take it off in the corner 10 miles an hour faster when you get to, to the World 100 here in a couple of weeks? <laughs> I don't know about that. I said I learned some stuff today that I thought would work on the car that definitely didn't work, and then some things that we thought wouldn't really make a difference made a big difference. So uh, we definitely learned a lot today. Yeah, that definitely has to be a neat deal. I guess uh, you're probably changing out cell panels and different different things. Or Well, I don't know. Our, since we were doing stuff for the race know-how, it's an educational website. So mm-hmm. it was kind of twofold. We couldn't just be swapping out things like crazy. 
like a regular team would. So we went in there and we took our base line Warrior race car that we sell every customer, which is what we build for us. We don't build nothing one off for us. We build the same car. So we took that car and we baselined that car a bunch of times. That way we could call our customers this coming week and be like, look, this is what we've learned from the car that you have. It's no different. You can make these small changes and make your car better every week at the weekly races or whatever series you're racing with. So that was our main goal. And then we started doing some some goofy stuff and some stuff that was outside the box, some stuff that the tech men wouldn't like. Mm-hmm. And, but we learned a ton, though. So we'd kind of done both. Now, we would like to go back. Like John has talked about, now we may go back next spring and do it all over again. So we may come more prepared now that we've been one time and know how to make more of our – like we run, we've done 12 runs, I think, so – we could probably make better of our time now bringing more parts to bolt on and try. So did you put the car way up in max attitude, the deck way up in the air yeah. and see what that would do? And, and does it really make a difference whenever with it go like way up in the air, like everybody's running them now compared to just like how Ray cook wants you to run them for instance. <laughs> well, the funny thing is you talk about Ray cook. So we're going to Eldora. So I'd done mm-hmm. the car like it would be going to Eldora, which is a droop roll race, which is Ray cook. So yeah, it was two kind of Ray cook style standards a little bit. It's funny you say that, but yeah, we done it attitude because these cars don't race on the ground. No, they don't. Yeah. So we done it at attitude. Even well, you modif- have to, yeah. yeah. The modified was at attitude as well. So it was, uh, it was really good. We never even tried any static stuff. It would have took too much time to go from one position to the other. Well, like I, I guess what I'm saying is, did you take the deck up as high as it would possibly go and see if that was any kind of an advantage, or did you just kind of stick to that droop we just chain deal? Stuck to the droop chain thing, so yeah. we could try to maximize what we're doing in two weeks as well. So. Okay, I got you. I just was wondering, like, yeah. if it really makes as much of a difference because you see these cars all hiked way up in the air as high as they can get them, and a couple of people have been popped in the last couple of years and been docked some positions and some heat races and stuff over that so yeah so like um harold holly came he's actually a part of the race know-how family so harold came and he's been in the wind tunnel a bunch mm-hmm. you know through his cup For career sure, yeah. and with the dirt stuff with joey and all that stuff and he was telling me and ryan all morning about like one inch of air was, or one inch of spoiler was worth like 100 pounds of downforce and so i mean small movements is worth a ton in the wind tunnel and that's why they're trying to limit us on how we can skew the bodies and how high we can get the cars in the air and all that. It's pretty critical, as we found out today. We thought it wasn't, but it's really big. Yeah, I, I watched a little bit of those live videos, and, yeah, I was really uh, fascinated with it. It looked like the way the air moves. I've never ever shooting it up under the car from the back. Like, it shows you how – I don't know how much of a difference this air plays in, in this racing right now and dirty air and all that stuff that they talk about. You could really – it showed on that deal. Yeah. Well, it'd be neat if you could put two cars in the wind tunnel and – we ask. <laughs> yeah. We ask. It just ain't long enough. Um, oh, yeah. Harold said that you could do Lockheed that way. It was big enough, but it wasn't. The A2's not. It's the budget-friendly one. That's so. how you could learn. That's how you could really learn something. Yeah, because that's what Ryan and uh, our other customer, Rusty, is with us. They always talk about pulling up on another car, dirty air, can't yeah. turn. And then it's funny, Ryan and Rusty, you know, they're shorter little fellas, and the car's an attitude. Well, they walked up behind the car and almost disappeared, and they had no air on them. Like their hats didn't blow off or or nothing. So we got to stand in this tunnel while it was running and they could stand behind the car and they seen how much of a void there was behind the car, no air on the car behind you. So it was pretty interesting to see like the, yeah. the, the smoke blowing wand is cool for the Facebook lives and all that stuff, but it showed us some things we could play with, but the numbers were the biggest thing we were looking at today. Well, what else did I leave out of that? Because I think that's that's all fascinating stuff, but I've never been to a wind tunnel personally, so I'm just trying to You need to understand. drive over there one day and see if they'll yeah, just let you nah, watch. They probably won't, but I go by it all the time. So, I mean, what else did, that was special about that? I'll ask you, and then we'll go to Ryan on that. 
I mean, it's like I said, it's always just been a dream of mine to do this. I actually built a wind tunnel when I was like eight or nine years old and won the science fair with it. So this is just a grown up dream come true to go do one of our cars that way. That's pretty cool. What about you, Ryan? What did you see in there that that you thought was neat? I mean, uh, the the data taught us a lot, but like Mike was saying right then, the the stuff that didn't show up on the data, like when we were in the wind tunnel, and the you know we walked behind the car and we could feel the air, and actually being in there and being able to feel the difference as far as not having air behind the car versus where the air was, and then putting the smoke on it and seeing how the air traveled around the car and stuff like that. Um, that's the stuff you don't get to see on the racetrack is actually how the air is moving around the car and being able to visualize it and actually feel it. Uh, that was the neatest part for me. Yeah, it's 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 unreal how aero-dependent these dirt late models are today. Uh, whenever you're out there racing, I try to explain. I mean, we see it all the time, but just explain some of that dirty air, I guess, whenever you're going off in the corner there and you, you go in behind somebody and it'll, it'll just push, won't it? Yeah, I mean, and the best way to describe it is like just somebody out there picking up on the nose of the car. It's like you go in the corner one minute and you're able to turn in and it's real easy and then you get tucked in behind a guy and you try and turn and all of a sudden the nose just takes off on you and it's like you got no front grip no front tires it's like somebody's out there just picking up the front of the car and you're just going straight and uh, it's a scary feeling when you're hauling off in the corner as hard as you can go and all of a sudden you can't turn when a lap before you could i guarantee you and especially whenever they're only taking the top three or four in one of these heat races and you know you gotta go yeah definitely <laughs> There's there's no there's no getting out of it then you really got to just gas on it for sure yeah and you're committed I mean once once you get in I mean and you don't turn it's it's either I mean you just got to figure out a way to get it turned and go uh, like you said especially like at Eldor and a bunch of these places like that where you're real aero dependent yeah no doubt well guys I think we're gonna take a quick break here and we'll come back on the other side I'd also like to welcome Rusty Ballinger and Ad- and Adam Presley they're here in the studio they came with Mike and Ryan today and they're sitting in listening to us so. Uh, couple of pretty good guys there. Good tire guy and a good uh, race car driver there from East Tennessee. You're listening to the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. We're here with Ryan King and Mike Knuckles today. And uh got Ryan King sitting here with me now. Uh, Ryan, I, I, want, I know you've been racing for quite a while. Uh, you you were like the still, still head champion years ago there in East Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, 411 that's and been a while. Yeah. But I got a T-shirt from from that, you know, with your car on it from back, gosh, ten years ago or something. But but knowing that, tell us whenever you got started racing and uh, how old you are now, and a little bit of highlights in between, I guess. Well, uh, I guess that's going way back, but uh, that's <laughs> been about eleven, twelve years ago now. Uh, actually, one of the guys here with me now, Rusty Ballinger, he's the one who got me started into this. Um, uh, back when I was younger, I was just kind of a redneck kid or ever around seymour we had a farm uh had some horses on the farm i rode horses showed horses done that type of thing never even been to a dirt track race i was 17 i think at the time um we had a business we got we still got a business roofing business family business um so uh rusty he'd been racing a while we went to school together and uh he bought a late model that year and uh he brought it over at our business you know, trying to get some sponsorship on, on the race car. And when he brought it over, that's the first time I ever seen a dirt late model. I was like, you know, where are you <laughs> race this thing at? What do you do? What is this? So, uh, he started telling me a little bit about it. I was like, well, and I just live like 10 minutes from four eleven. Uh, but when I was growing up, it was asphalt and I knew about NASCAR and asphalt racing and stuff, but I didn't even know about dirt racing. I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, so, uh, 
he started telling me about it and said it was on dirt. And I was like, well, you know, what do you mean? And uh, he's like, you know, it's like NASCAR, but on dirt. I was <laughs> like, all right, well, you know, I think I'm going to check that out. So uh, my wife now, we were dating at the time. So I told her, I was like, hey, we're going to go on a date this weekend. We're going to go over to the racetrack. So uh, we go over there. It's my first dirt race ever. I was like, this is cool. Why has nobody told me about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you got deprived from uh, yeah. from knowing about racing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, for a while. Because, I mean, most people that's in the sport now, they grew up in it. Like Mike and a bunch of Rusty and yeah. all these other guys around here. Even Adam, his dad raced. And uh, so everybody that I'm around all the time grew up in it. And uh, I just, you know, our family, we, we bear hunted and, you know, farmed and rode horses and had cattle and done that kind of thing. So... Well, I, I'm not a gearhead. I don't know anything about cars or people ask me all the time, well, you race, how do you fix it? I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know anything about cars. Um, so we went to the races and I was like, you know, this is awesome. So started going with Rusty some. It wasn't probably two months later I had dad talked into buying a race car. So uh, my first car was a dirt late model. Bought a crate motor, put it in it. Went to 411. Was it a Warrior chassis? No, it was actually a Stinger <laughs> car. So uh, Stinger. I don't okay. know if you're familiar with like uh, JT Kerr and Big and Kerr and those guys. But it was uh, Travis Holbert had it at the time running it. A uh, real good guy. I love Travis. But uh, so he he got I got a car from uh, Roger Kerr, uh, which that's, he's part of the family over there too, the Kerr family. And uh, started driving a Stinger car. Uh, probably about two years later, bought a new Stinger car from Travis. They started building cars again. Uh, Chase King's got Stinger now just down the road from us there at Warrior. Uh, real good people. But uh, So I started driving them. Uh, started running Crate Lake Models weekly, run Smoky Mountain for a season. Uh, that was my first full season. I was 18 at the time, senior in high school. Um, didn't do very good. It got to one point, Dad told me, he's like, hey, he's like, if you wreck his car, like, you know, we're probably going to take a break for a little while because he's, I'm tired of fixing stuff on this. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, got hooked up with, uh, Scott Sexton, probably the end of that year. Uh, big name around East Tennessee. I don't know if you've ever for heard sure. of him. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Rest in peace. For yeah, sure. He was, yeah. he was a famous driver. He was before his time too, you know, out yep. there. He won a lot of, a lot of races in that area. Well, see, that was the thing at the yeah. time. Everybody knew who Scott was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I actually ran into him at a practice session at 411 one time. I actually went to a school with uh, his son, Derek, and, uh, and his older son, Zach. I went to school with both of them. Uh, Derek wrestled when we were younger. I was in wrestling in high school growing up. So uh, I knew him, but I didn't even know they had anything to do with racing. Um, so ran into him at a practice session at 411. He was helping another local guy, Lane Clifton. And uh, we had another car at the time, actually a DWB car, Anthony White car. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so everybody's like, hey, you need to put Zach or uh, Scott in that other car. And uh, at the time, we didn't have another motor. So uh, uh, we thought about it for a little while. And Dad, we got that car ready. We got a, bought a motor off Brad Lowe and uh, put it in that car and talked to Scott about driving it. And he actually won the Steelhead Championship that year at 411. We, he ran like three races for us before he won that race. Um, so that was a pretty cool deal. And then he kind of helped me along the next year. Uh, by about halfway through that next season, I won my first race. Yeah, I think that's around the time I've got that T-shirt because I think it's got Scott Sexton on it too. You yep. probably know which one I'm talking yep. about. Yep, I know because he won the year before me, and they they put everybody on the yeah, shirt that's each what year. It was. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, that's uh, so from there you 
I mean, you ran those steelhead cars for a few years. and then... Yeah, so I run Crate and Limited Lake Malls. I run a lot of the Neesmith stuff. Yeah. Um, I did their, I don't know what they like, the weekly national stuff. I think we finished third in the national points in it one year, running 411 pretty much every week, won the track championship, uh, and then took off and run the touring series with them. I run, first year running, I, I finished second behind Ronnie Johnson, rookie of the year. Um, so, I mean, we had a lot of success in the Crate Lake Malls early on. Yeah, um, and then, of course, Warrior Race Cars there had, had everybody from Dale McDowell to, <laughs> I don't know, gosh, you name it. I can't think of many off the top of my head right away. Yeah, Mike's but, told me about everybody that's drove for but everybody, and then all of a sudden here you come along and, and yeah. you got that ride. So kind of how did that pan out? Well, um, it was just it was I think at the time it was just a deal that worked out best for for us Sanford and the we you know with Mike and them doing the deal, uh, which you know most of it went through Mike, um, which uh, and and that come about through the shock service. We were we were running some different shocks at the time, and Mike was local. And we were looking for somebody local as far as doing shocks and that type of thing. So we went to Mike about shocks, uh, run his shocks for a season, did some testing with him, picked up a lot of speed. Uh, that was around the time I, I got a lot of success on the touring series, running Mike's stuff at the time, won some big races. Um, so that's kind of how we made our connection was through the shock service side of things. And then uh, we were going to Brunswick, and Mike probably helped me out with a year on this. I don't remember. This has been... I don't know if he can hear me or not. Uh, probably 20... Yeah, he's still out there, I think. I don't know. 2016. 2016, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> so uh, 2016, we were going to Brunswick for the... Because Neesmith started their season down there. It, it corresponded with the Lucas Oil race down there. And uh, I don't know... Did I guess you contacted us, Mike? Well, y'all came to the open house hanging out, and we was like, hey, well, yeah, we'll just go it. down there and race together. And your dad said, sure, let's go. Yeah, Throw so that's kind of how that deal came about. I mean, it was just we convenience convenience at the time. Uh, we run, we went down there. We run top ten, Mike. Yeah, they had two shows. We made one out of two Yeah, top ten. Yes. That, was that the Supers? Was yeah, that? in the, in the Lucas Oil show. Yeah. So you um, were throwing right to the Wolves because that's a big race down yeah, there. Yeah. 50, uh, 60 cars. That was my there. first Lucas yeah. race at the time. And I had only run just a handful of super shows before that, um, not run very much supers. So we went down there and just kind of hit it off right at the bat, had some, you know, had some good success down there and just continued from there. Yeah, and you've had a few years here where you've been uh... – I don't know. You've been a little hit and miss, I guess, a little bit, but you. <laughs> but uh, but have you found have you found the success you expected to so far? Or are you just kind of still looking for it? I guess is well. That's we, a weird question. Yeah, ask, but, yeah. I mean, you're always looking yeah. to get faster, but uh, yeah, yeah. We've definitely found some success here lately, uh, which with with me and Mike kind of going out on our own, it's been kind of like a starting over process for us, and we're trying to learn everything on our own again as far as the super late mall stuff goes. Um, but uh, I definitely feel like we're catching up with the big teams. I think that uh, I think that you guys are probably one of the dark horse favorites. I, I would I would categorize you guys as dark horse because I don't think you're on a lot of people's radar. But we're definitely not. You could no. go in there and 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 have a potential shot to win, you know, the world or one of those prelim nights or something coming up in a few weeks because you always run so good at that place and and some of these other. I mean, like the bigger tracks, shorter tracks, you. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to ask you, but you ran really good at I-75 dealer week, and that's a small little old track. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can go to Eldora too, but you're pretty versatile, I guess I could say. You can go. You can, I, f I feel like yeah. we are. 
Um, I mean, I have a lot of success on the small tracks, but I like them fast tracks too. I don't know. It's almost the in-between tracks that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like the, the high speed stuff and then I like the little small bull rings where you just get it on. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see you pick up on those big wins here at some point soon. But I guess, I guess the main thing is you just got to keep showing up, right? And running with them. You, yeah. You, you know, if you don't, you get behind. I've heard people say. Absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, I know a lot of people probably give us a hard time for doing what we do on the budget we try and run on because we're not we know we're not on the same level as a lot of them guys budget wise car i mean not saying car wise because we got just a good car but um it's just tough to try and do what we do with those guys um I, and i've always said that we're kind of like an in-between level right now we're not the local guy but yet we're not josh richards and brandon shepherd either so as far as the amount of races they're running throughout the year, the testing they're doing and that type of thing. Um, but when we do go out there and outrun those guys and beat them, it's like, man, they're spending all this money. They spend all this time. You know, I work a regular job and, uh, here we are outrunning these guys. So it means that much more when we go do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, tell me a little bit about that regular job. I think that's Mike. <laughs> Mike warned me that was a neat story. So. Yeah, so we got a uh, we got a roofing company, a family run business. I got my wife there now, working Brittany. Um, my dad started roofing thirty years ago, about the about the year I was born. Uh, he started his own roofing company. Been doing it ever since. Um, but uh, we do a little bit of everything. Yeah, well, you know, you and Mike Knuckles work good together, too, whenever y'all are working on these race cars. It sort of seems like you guys have just become brothers or something. Y'all are, <laughs> we are. We're like are family. Y'all are like stepbrothers. Yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> dad's like both our dads. He stays on us about every little yeah. thing all the time. So, yeah, uh, we've been together a while, and we got a good connection. What do you think about that, Mike? That is 100% true. We're like stepbrothers. <laughs> yeah, I, have, yeah. I have a stepbrother, and we go back and forth just like stepbrothers. Well, that, that's a good thing. I could see the relationship between y'all lasting a long time, you know, uh, running a lot of races up, you know, up and down the road, and I feel like y'all got a good good chemistry going, so you need to keep it going, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> so. I'm out here on the outside, guys. Yeah, we got a good chemistry going. I mean, we've been together forever. He, we can pretty much – back in the pit stall and he can read what I'm thinking and same way I can we can just go back and forth and kind of know what each other's thinking about what the car needs and what's happening at the racetrack well, well cool yeah it's uh yeah, it's good to see y'all whenever y'all do show up and run good but uh yeah I don't know it's I think one of them deals is coming um for sure so well, did y'all race anywhere this past weekend no we took this past weekend this week off, off. yeah okay. So what's coming I, up? I, I took my little girl to the water park this past weekend. She's about a little over a year and a half now. So I've been trying to spend a little time with her Perfect. this year. There you go. Well, so that, that was a good time then, I guess. Oh yeah, it? definitely. Well, what do y'all got coming up this coming weekend? Are you just, are you just kind of waiting and preparing for the world one? No. So this weekend we're running, uh, the, I guess it's the world outlaws race at Bulls Gap. And then there's a, is it help me Mike Ironman? Yes. Yeah, the Ironman's, um, buddy rogers memorial at taswell yeah okay yeah. yeah so that's what we got coming up this couple weekend. of ten thousand to win races for yep. sure that's the scorcher at bulls gap too volunteer speedway saturday night so that'll yep. be that race has got some history it don't pay as much as it used to but it's still got some history too yeah it, i so. think scott won that race a couple times back in the day scott blunquist won i think the inaugural i think it was an 06 or something and uh paid twenty thousand to win then yep. so yeah pays ten thousand to win this saturday night but that's 
I mean, you, be some good money to have. You'll have a good shot to win. And we do. Well, that's yeah. that's two racetracks I've been really comfortable at here lately is Volunteer and Tazel. Yeah. So you're taking the same car you're going to take to the world to those, or you got another one in the stables? Uh, well, the the car we did testing with today at uh, the wind tunnel, we're planning on taking it to Eldora, but we'll run the car that we've been running this season up there at Bulls Gap and Tazel. Yeah, because I saw some pictures of that car today. It looked lean and mean, and it looked like it was ready to go to yeah, the big half mile. that's a brand new car, so yeah. we're, we're ready to get it out there. And I can see the smile on your face. You're excited yeah, about that. definitely. You're excited about taking that car to... To the world, of course, we're going to have two chances to win it this year, and and uh, we'll we'll take a break here in just a moment. But I want to talk. I want to kind of spend a little bit of time previewing that World 100 weekend before we kind of get out of here between you and Mike. But uh, sounds good. Yeah, so we're going to take just a quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Before we get back to Forward Bite with Kyle Armstrong, want to find out how folks go from humble beginnings in the world to their dream job in motorsports? Tim Packman sits down every week to get you the inside scoop. It's how I got here. And the latest episodes available now on the Speedsport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome back to the Forward Bite Podcast. Well, Warrior Race Cars started quite a while ago, and I, I'm not sure if a lot of people really know the history of it, but of course, of course, uh, Sanford Goddard started that deal back in the day and recently went into the National Dirt Lake Model Hall of Fame, and whenever he was ready to retire, he passed it over to uh, Mike Knuckles, and of course, Mike is our guest today. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about the history of Warrior Race Cars and I guess what it means to uh, to inherit such a, such a branded history of a dirt lake model company. Like for me to inherit, not really didn't inherit it, um, took, yeah. took it over. But uh, for me, it's pretty awesome because I've been around the place my entire life. My dad used to buy parts there for his street stock stuff, and then he got a Warrior Late model. So I was always in and out of there my entire life, and then was able to start there in 09 when they needed somebody to kind of clean up the body work when they got the Clint Boyer deal, when McDowell had the Cheerios 17M. So they brought me in just to do sheet metal work and then just kind of progressed over 10 years time to where I've done everything, but run the books. And now you're running the books. Yes. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm running the books. So yeah, that's, do. All, that's all you do there, right? That's, no, that's pretty kidding. much what happens to run the books. Yeah. Run the books, be on Facebook, Snapchat. That's what a lot of people say anyway. So yeah, now we got, I got to give it to Kevin Lusby. Kevin Lusby has been at the business its entirety. And if it wasn't for him, we couldn't do what we're doing today with you. Like, he builds the frames. He's got all. He's got. He's the one who taught me. He's and all that. So if it wasn't for him, there busting his tail, we wouldn't be able to be out here kind of goofing off today, talking to you, doing the wind tunnel stuff. So we got to really give it to him for having our back on doing all this stuff and teaching us most of what we know. So how many employees do you have? Just 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 him and, two. and you. So two. <laughs> now see, Adam. Adam works on our house car stuff. So Adam's employed here too. But Adam's main gig is to oversee all of our house car stuff all the maintenance um all the truck and trailer upkeep um all the bolt checking all the, all the stuff to make sure ryan's high and in is safe every week make sure none falls off of it and then i come in and assist on the setup stuff and then we go to the racetrack so okay define i, I know what it is but for the listener's sake define house car and what how, how that is important to what you're trying to accomplish there all right, so for us as a chassis manufacturer, we keep saying house car. It is a car that races out of our shop that we have our hands on seven days a week as somebody that drives for us as a business, even though Ryan and me, Ryan and his dad, it's not really just like a business relationship. It's way more than that. But um, 
but a house car program to a chassis builder is everything. If you don't have your house car program, you're not learning every week. Um, see, we do most of the super late mall stuff, 99% of it. So we got Rusty Ballinger with us today. He's kind of our crate house car guy. And Rusty lives near the shop. He's in the shop every day. So that works out good for us. He's essentially like a crate house car guy. So everything we're doing, he's doing, and we're all talking back and forth. So if we don't have info every single week, I can't hand it out to the other 40 drivers that have the new style cars that we have. I got you. So that, that makes a lot of sense. It's all just about R&D and everything, isn't it? Oh, every day is R&D. That's why, yeah. like Ryan was saying a second ago, like I just, I have to eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. It's awesome. Sometimes it wears you out, but this is all that I do to make every car we have go as fast as possible. It's a hard way to make a living, isn't it? <laughs> Very hard. It's, yeah. it's, I've never worked a day, like I've worked days, but like you never work a day in your life. You just don't enjoy just like you yourself. You yeah, enjoy what sure. you do. So yeah, it's a hard way to make a living. You don't make a million dollars. Some people think you do, but it's fun and you, you get to see a lot of cool shit. Yeah, we do eat it, sleep it and breathe it. But, uh, but at the end of the day, there, there ain't, there ain't no big, uh, Corvette in the driveway and that kind of stuff. Sometimes, no, I so. drive a truck. It's got <laughs> 330,000 miles on it. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, so that, that defined house car, you know, of course, rocket, very right. You know, warrior master built every chassis that I can ever think of. GRT has all had a house car over the years. And, uh, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody quite put it like you just did. So I think everybody's going to get a kick out of hearing that. I did. Yeah, you, you have to have a house car program. We didn't have it there for a while. Like, we had the, the Cheerios deal with Boyer. It was a satellite house car program. But they raced out of Boyer's shop, didn't tell us everything. We kind of got tidbits. And then we got it back 2011. We raced with Scott James for a little bit. The funds wasn't there, so we come back off the road. And it kind of just sat around. We just have random races with random guys. And then Ryan and his dad come in, and we all made a deal and it worked together, and we had stability. Once we get stability again, the same guy in the seat, which people give me crap all the time because this guy don't have the experience that half these guys got. But somebody, you got to get there. Like, you got to race for 20 years to get experience. This is where we're headed. We're building something together. So, And, and like you said before, and Mike's told me this in the past, as far as having different drivers in the seat, a driver would bring their previous knowledge in and do their thing, and then when they left, they kind of took it with them. So it was hard to apply that on a consistent basis to what they were trying to do at Warrior. And correct me if I paraphrase no, that wrong. Mike. You're right. Like good, bad, and ugly. No matter what, you're the same guy every week. So when we're trying stuff, there's a consistent basis that happens. Like we know the next week if we fix it or not. Like we used to have one guy would drive this week, and then Sanford would pick up another guy and drive the next week, and well, this guy came from Rocket, so we done it this way. Or this guy came from Zeros, and we done it this way, and it just hurt us. Which I understand Sanford was just trying to race, but it hurt us in the long haul as far as information. It probably put us three, four years behind on trying to keep up with these guys. And then once I took over, we've had to speed stuff up really quickly. Yeah, I'm looking at Ryan here, and I'm thinking about uh, he told us he started driving the house car in 2016. That's got to be the and that's five or six years ago now, and that's got to be the longest duration of anybody driving that 1G Warrior house car. It, it is. McDowell was 08, 09, and 10. After that, that was it. Yeah. Well, name us, uh, name drop some names that have drove that car because it's quite an impressive list, and I don't know if you have to tell them all, but just there's there's a, there's quite a few. So you got Dell McDowell. Some of the, some of the big names I recognize will be Dell McDowell, Davenport, J.J. Ailey, Dave Blaney, uh, Will Vaughts drove the 1G, 
Jimmy Owens has drove the 1G. Ryan, of course. Um, had some local guys. Kurt Owens. I think Freddie Smith might have drove Freddie's it drove time. the 1G. Yeah. We've took Freddie to the North-South 100, which I think was one of his, almost his last races in the house car. Um, Freddie was loyal to Warrior there for his last few years of his career, for sure. And he's actually one of your neighbors. Tell while we're on that, tell us a good Freddie Smith story. At the you see him at the grocery store and everywhere. Listen, there, so you? like Freddie's just the legend in our sport, right? And we all idolize him. It's like Kyle's, Kyle's like God Almighty. Like that's that's Kyle's top is Freddie Smith, and Freddie lives between my house and our race shop. So I see Freddie all the time. We see Freddie at Walmart, and it's like, you know, we're walking through, and it's like, oh man, that's Freddie Smith at Walmart, and then like the people side of him don't even know who the hell he is. It's kind of frustrating because he's awesome. He's Freddie Smith, but. Just a just a meek fellow that lives in a single wide trailer on a giant farm, and you would never know he's Freddie Smith, like the legend of our sport. I drive by his house ten times a week. He's just humble and kind, and he's just Freddie. Yeah, just just Freddie with a Y. Yeah, yeah but I believe uh, I believe he's in the process of moving back out here to be closer to Jeff. And so I, I've been seeing him a lot, yeah. like you have the last couple of weeks. So it's pretty neat. So uh, before we let y'all go tonight, I want to uh, get a little bit of a preview of uh, what you think is going to happen at Eldora. And it doesn't just have to be about what y'all have got going on, but but also that. But just what do you think we're going to see there in a couple of weeks? Because that'll probably be uh, – because we won't have an episode between now and then. So we're going to kind of pretend we're going up there this week and seeing Eldora and the World 100, two chances to win it. What do you think about that, pulling into that place and running four nights in a row? I know you love it. You've told us that before. I mean, you tell them hell. I took you. That's all you look no, forward like, to. No, like that's all. all year long. Yeah, all year long. But like, so in '16, we threw him to the wolves. We went to Golden Isles, and then his dad's like, "Hell, let's go to Eldora." <laughs> yeah. We took him to Eldora in 2016, and we've been every year since. Like, we thought we was gonna miss it last year because of the fan vote stuff, and we got in the fan vote. So we've been to Eldora every year since 2016. It's just. So, I mean, it is all I look forward to it twice a year. I'm like you. Like, it does, we, me too. We both have the same affinity there for uh, Eldora. So. Somebody recently critiqued me on this podcast. A listener said I talk too much about Eldora, but, man, it's they everything. Never been. It's everything. Yes. It's, and we do. We kind of schedule our whole year. I do, too. Like, I do, too. It's your family <laughs> camping trips. <laughs> you yeah. bought a camper to go camp at Eldora. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's it means everything to me, you know, just to go there as a, as a fan and – uh, everything so you know it's got to got to mean something to y'all to keep going back so i guess tell um if somebody's out there listening and they've never been kind of tell them what they could expect i guess from from your <laughs> point of view a racer's point of view um well and i'll tell you from my point of view because okay I, I mean i was the guy that didn't grow up racing and uh, i've been to a couple nascar races and uh it's it's almost got that nascar feel but better um, uh, and I don't know, I guess the fans are different. The drivers are different. I mean, for a couple extra bucks, you can get a pit pass for the weekend and walk around the pits and see what the drivers are doing. Um, I mean, that's the cool part about it. I mean, uh, when I, the first year I raced, I went to, I went to Eldora. Uh, so this is, it's, it's been a while. I don't remember what year. It was the year that, uh, Jimmy won the dream and he smoked the whole race. I don't know if you remember that race or not, Kyle. Um, about but, eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. So no, so, I didn't go up there by the end. So we went down there, and and I just remember thinking like, there's no way I'll ever make it 
to this place to race at the level I was doing that. And then here I am, you know, so, and that's the cool thing about it is, is a local guy out there racing. He may go to Eldora this year. It may be his first year racing. Who knows? Six, seven years later, you might see him out there racing. And that's the cool thing about it. I mean, the guy that's out there asking for your autograph, you may, I may be racing against him over there in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And you're not going to have an opportunity to go stand on that stage at Eldor if you exactly. don't go. And that's the difference, I think, now with that versus a NASCAR type of deal where you know, like, odds are of a local asphalt guy around here racing, he probably ain't going to make it to NASCAR if he ain't got the money. Um, but Eldor's a little different. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like our sport's trending in a in a direction that, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say too much, about, but I just, it's it's going in a good direction right now for sure. And uh, I think we're going to be on the top. I'll just put it like that. Yeah. Before long. Yeah. And so, Mike, what do you think about all that? I mean, Eldor is just the place. Like, if you've never been, you have to go. Yeah. Like everybody that we always have told, you got to go once. We see them every year after that. Exactly. Like you never, you just schedule your whole year around it, your vacations, your family plans. I mean, hell, even my first wedding anniversary was scheduled around the reschedule of the world when it rained out. Yeah. Like we had to, our first wedding anniversary, me and my wife, we had to just reschedule the whole thing because we had to come back and race at Eldora. That's like, it's just <laughs> the ultimate place. Yeah, that was whenever it was in October. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, man, I do too. I look forward to it for sure. The it's, fans, like, there's just nothing like being on pit road at like Saturday at about noon and seeing a million people just walking around the cars. And everybody's there just to check, you know, what you're doing. They just want to be there and be a part of it. And you're talking about people that's never been. I've had at least a half dozen or so people, like different people groups, like reach out to me, ask me, you know, where to camp and where to do this and where to get fuel and where, you know. Just question, general questions about Eldora, and I'm happy to answer them because I know those people are going to come, and they're going to come back every year. And uh, I think this World 100 this this year is going to be the biggest crowd. You're, you know, it's going to be hard to hard to walk through the midway up there. There's going to be so many people that have never been there before, and it's just like you said, they're going to they'll be back. Because I I went the first time I went in 2014 there, and I hadn't missed one since. I don't really I don't plan on it. Ain't no it's, reason to. Yeah, it's it's the top. It's the upper echelon of the sport for sure. So Definitely. we're looking forward to getting up there and seeing what y'all can do for sure. Uh, y'all got anything else before we uh, cut it off? Oh, I don't know. We sit here and talk all night. <laughs> we could sit here and <laughs> we, we got to ride back home soon. We so. could sit here and BS, but I don't know how how much longer the people's going before they'll turn this thing off <laughs> and uh, listen to listen to Dirt Nerds or one of those other podcasts <laughs> or something. But. Uh, but I, I'm a, before we let you go, uh, we'll give you one chance to thank all your sponsors and all that stuff before we uh, cut it off. Go ahead, Mike. You don't get this opportunity very often. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this on the podcast for weeks. You go ahead. Uh, well, uh, definitely Warrior, I mean, on my end, because, uh, I mean, if if it wasn't for this guy right here and uh, everything he does, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, definitely on that side of things, uh Brian King Ruffin, my dad, um, and I, I think we me and do this yeah, me and Mike can both speak for that. Uh, neither one of us would be where we're at if it wasn't for him. Um, help me out, uh, Roberts B Company. Uh, they're on, they're on the front of the car. Stinger, uh, Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen Roberts. Uh, gotta thank him. Uh, we we got the- Noble Nice Construction. Gotta thank them. Uh, the PTSD awareness racing. Uh, thank those guys, you know, for for doing that deal and and spreading the word about the PTSD stuff. Like I said, we we like every, everybody always comes by and's like, 
hey man, I'll, I'll you know I love the PTSD thing, or or they know somebody that's been affected by it, and and it's just somebody that, something that kind of touches everybody, and uh, they talk a lot about it. Uh, Rick's Handyman Service, gotta thank them. Rusty Ballinger, he's here with us, uh, so uh, definitely gotta thank him and Rick, his dad, um, and. Anybody else, Mike? We gotta thank our families. Yes, <laughs> our families. I, I, if it was not for my wife being at home right now with the two kids and the dog, and like I said, I'm out doing this stuff, and she puts up with all this, and I've been to 67 nights of racing so far this year. She's been to a lot of them with me, but if it wasn't for mine and Ryan's family, and yes. it, it, without their blessing, we wouldn't be able to do this anyway. So my wife and little girl. Yeah, and I want to give a quick shout out to uh, to Mike Knuckles. If you like listening to him on this podcast, he does another weekly podcast. He's on there about every week, I guess. Uh, the Layover Flag <laughs> podcast, where they just talk about all things in East Tennessee and a little bit of NASCAR and everything. And I've listened to the last couple ones that you've been on, and it's been it's been pretty fun to listen to. So y'all do a good job on that. So I want to send some of our listeners over to that to listen to that and. Hopefully they'll uh, send some of theirs over here to listen to ours. Hopefully so. I got a little shit last week because I was wearing your hat. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you wearing that hat. By the way, uh, if anybody's listening to this and wants one of those hats to look as sharp as Mike Knuckles, they can reach out to me on Facebook and all that. And, of course, subscribe and like all that stuff. And, uh, guys, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up today. Yeah, those fellers over here saying, cut, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, we got <laughs> So another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast is in the books for this week. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. We'll see you next week.